Hello, everybody. This is the Winters Here, a Game of Thrones podcast. My name is Andre Kless, and I'm here with Diana Kennis. What's up? And John, our fearless leader, is on assignment today. So Diana and I are going to take the reins, and we're going to have our midweek discussion about our latest episode. John will be back with us on Sunday. He misses you guys terribly. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so it's been a few days since the episode aired. Had a little bit more time to think about it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know about you, but the one thing that keeps that I keep mulling over is what is the status of all these yeah. powers that have now lost their leader? Who exactly is going to lead Dorne now? Yeah. Because realistically, this should have been a question following the death, the murder of Prince, Prince Doran right. last season, right? So obviously his son was engaged, his son Tristane was engaged to Marcella. Right. That would have been the next the next leader. But and they were essentially murdered at the same time. Well, at least they exactly. showed it to us at the same time. Right. right. So we're sort of led to believe for some reason that Ilaria Sand inherited you know or became the leader of dorne but through a coup essentially she just took over power like we see in other places she just decapitated the government essentially and just took over exactly but did she really you know i I don't know because in that when remember when varies came to uh dorne to kind of convince the martells if you could call them the martells um to convince them to join daenerys cause she seemed to represent them she did. I, I think that might have been something that they sort of went along with. Just for the TV for the show. show. Yeah. yeah, for the show. I, I mean, because I'm inclined to believe that in reality, slash in the books, there would have been some sort of process in place. Because they, they all accept her power. Like, the Queen of Thorns is there. She accepts her. Right. Remember, she said specifically, let, let, the, let the adult woman talk now. And she accepted right. her as an adult woman in the room, in power. Daenerys accepted her. Right. That's she was true. at the war council. So essentially she took the reins and then you would think her daughters, if she was gone, her daughters would take the reins and now they're essentially out. So there's a vacuum here. Right. That is true. I guess it was really a coup. And uh, as of right now, there's no Dornish characters left. Right. It's uh, strange. In yeah. the books, they handle Dorn and the Martells, the House Martell, completely differently than they do this. There's a whole other storyline that they actually don't even follow that involves Daenerys. But in the shows, they try to go somewhere else. Right, yeah. I think, I mean, uh, the whole Dorne storyline was way more elaborate in in the books. And I think what happened with the show was they didn't kind of really know how to tie it in. They just kind of chopped it off without actually tying it in very well. People... People didn't react well to the Sand Snakes. At least a lot of the hardcore book readers hated the portrayal of the Sand Snakes right. and Dorne in general. So I think they kind of took that in, into consideration and were like, you know what? You know, let's just get rid of this. <laughs> let's just get rid of all of Dorne. And because we I don't understand their culture, they don't even. We don't even hear the name of the seat of Dorne. We just call it Dorne. It's not called Dorne. Dorne is the name of the whole kingdom. You know, there's. Right. Uh, Sunspear is actually the name of the city that they're leading from, and they don't even mention that town. And then right. they talk about yep. the Water Gardens as that's another significant city in Dorne, but they're always just kind of at the Water Gardens, but they don't really. The whole thing is just kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think that I I could see 
the last of Doran being over for the show. I, I think that assuming Ilaria Sand and the last Sand Snake die, that that will kind of be the end of, of Doran's presence in the show. Right. Because I think it's kind of too late for them to bring on some new, oh, wait, you know, this person from Doran is going to take the reins and join Daenerys. Because, yeah. I mean, it would be a little bit late to introduce a new leader. So I kind of think Doran is out of the show. But they have standing armies. It's not like they just are going to do nothing. You know what I mean? So, like, Right, exactly. That's going to fill it. Right. Right. That's what, uh, you know, that's what, I mean, it it could, maybe, maybe they'll come in for a last minute assistance during some battle or, you know, we'll see. Maybe Daenerys will appeal to them directly. Who knows? Maybe. We'll see. Um, You know, so we talk about Dorne. Dorne is having some leadership problems right now. Yeah. How about Highgarden? The Reach seems to be without any leadership. Yes. So that I could see playing more of a role in the future. Uh, despite the fact that Olena died, well, technically in the books, there still are two Tyrells left because yeah. in the books, it wasn't just Marjorie and Loras. There were right. two other brothers that were older than them, Garlin, the gallant, and yeah. Willis, who is the cripple, um, who was set up to marry uh, Sansa in the book for a brief period of time. Yeah. But being that they didn't introduce those characters in the show... Um, it's unlikely that they'll... It's. Unlikely that they'll introduce them now. However, I do think that the Tyrell army may still have a role to play under what leadership. I'm not sure. Wouldn't you think that Randall Tarly would have something to say about that in terms of the leadership of the the Reach's armies? Yes, I do think that that might be what's going to what's going to happen, because they're kind of uh, shaping up Randall Tarly to be the head of that region yeah. and their bannermen. And even though the Tarleys are bannermen to the Tyrells or were being that the house may or may not be extinct now in the show, right. I could see that being they're a possibility. Kind of the, they're kind of the next one up, like bringing up the next, uh, the next house up and they essentially get promoted. Right. Especially so, if she's being, he's, she's promising. Well, it was actually Jamie that promised to, uh, to, to Randall Tarley that they'll be wardens of the South. Right. This is true. So, yeah, I think that they may be able to muster up. Yeah, I mean, it would actually be pretty easy for them now that I think about it. Like, all Randall Tarly has to do is go to the houses of these bannermen that he already knows because he's already been, you know, working side by side with them. These are the houses that are in the same region. I've always been bannermen to the Tyrells. All he has to do is visit the heads of all those houses and be like, hey, listen, our liege lords are all dead. So we can either come together and fight for the Lannisters, which is right. who, who he's fighting for now, or we can all just kind of run and hide. I think, and I think he has the power. Those of, bannermen though, will see the Lannisters occupying high garden and would maybe chafe or scoff at that thinking, you know, why would we join someone who, you know, unless they were unhappy with the, um, Tyrell leadership I you know I, I can't imagine they would look upon that and say you know that's that's a good thing we, we we're gonna join them but they don't really have a choice you know especially yeah, yeah you know the, the Lannisters are now gaining power again they're in control of Highgarden so what choice do these lower lords have besides to join that cause now especially I mean, if Randall starts saying things like you know fight with us against foreign invaders, fight with us against the Unsullied, fight with us against the Dothraki. They're really going to start seeing, you know, that that thing that's happening, even in our culture now, like 
being afraid of you know Im- immigrants to a foreign la- from a foreign land. Uh, right. So I just realized this is sort of a parallel with what happened in the north. So yeah. every everyone thought that all of the all of the uh, Starks were extinct. So look look what happened. All it took was one northern lord, Bruce Bolton, going around to all the houses and being like, "Hey, you know, we lost. Now we got to join these people." That's all it took, and they were just yeah. all of a sudden, you know, fight it, fighting for the Lannisters. Right. So because... I think it would be. They had no other choice, really. Right. So the same thing is going to happen probably with Highgarden. So Cersei may have inherited quite a large army, potentially. And potentially, since Highgarden, well, not Highgarden itself, but I guess Randall Tarly is pretty far south. He's closest to bringing Dorne back in. I could see him sort of kind of taking control, maybe, of the Dornish Mm -hmm. armies and having them join to his. possible. But, you know... Dorne is always known as being sort of the rebel kingdom in the Seven Kingdoms. Uh, right. They're famous for never having been conquered by the Targaryens. They joined through their free will uh, right. for, for mutual benefit. Um, so who knows? Yeah. So moving on, uh, let's travel north. Let's talk about Bran for a little bit. Um, Bran so, is all this now. So, oh, so that's a great theory. So <laughs> Bran is, you know, after seeing this episode, we're kind of understanding more and more that he's different. He's kind of set apart from his family, from the other people. He's mm-hmm. different and distant. Yes. Um, Sad. What is it like? What do you think it's like being him in this world where you're kind of, you kind of seen everything that's already yeah. happened? I mean, everyone, it seemed like everyone had a kind of negative reaction to the quote-unquote new brand that was introduced last episode yeah. because, you know, it was kind of sad seeing him be all distant and creepy and disturbed because we all remember the old brand, you know, just this young, playful, innocent kid. Yeah. But after I thought about it for a few days, I kind of realized that his acting was pretty on par with what what Bran should be feeling because when you think about it, He's slowly putting these fragments of knowledge and images and pieces together. And so he might be all of a sudden being able to see his own family's deaths in the future, his own death possibly, and the knowledge yeah. of, of knowing that you can't really doing it, do anything about it or you don't know what to do about it. That's got to be a really hopeless feeling. The original so, Three-Eyed Raven, did he foresee his own destruction? Like, it seemed I, like he was just kind of chilling, and then it just kind of happened. You know, Bran had the uh, the sequence where he got marked, but it seemed like right. the Three-Eyed Raven, some points it feels like he knew it was going to happen, but not quite when or, like, how. So the way I think about it is I, I think that he was capable of having visions, but not necessarily knowing whether they were to come true or whether it was a, a potential future or that how may or may not come. Sorry, say again? Or, or in what sequence they would come. Right, exactly. So the same way that, for example, maybe a red priestess might be able to see a vision, but not know whether that vision that they're seeing will actually come to fruition, or is it possible if they don't do anything about it, it will come to fruition, but it can be changed. Mm-hmm. So not really sure quite yet about that one. But uh, How do you think Bran's relationship with his earthly family if you will is going to change or 
do you think he'll have to go away again or do you think he'll be able to stay in Winterfell or with other members of his family? Well, I thought he was going to come back and be the Lord of Winterfell (laughs) and he would be welcomed with open arms, but it's pretty clear that he has absolutely no intention or desire to do that, which uh, kind of made me sad a little bit because I was kind of waiting, you know, everyone was kind of waiting this whole series for him to go back to Winterfell and surprise everyone with the fact that Winterfell actually still has a male heir left to rule it, but uh, it's pretty clear he has other plans for himself and honestly, I'm kind of a little bit worried that he might... He might leave us. What do you What do you think yeah. about that? I'm well, kind of worried because I feel like now that he's he's kind of reached his point of no return. Yeah, I think he's going to have to leave. Honestly, like either he is Lord of Winterfell or he's not. He can't. So, for example, right. I guess the closest example I have of that is uh, the Maester at the Wall, um, Aemon Targaryen. Not only did he. Uh, step down from being the crown prince he didn't want to be king he gave that up he had to go to the wall you know what i mean he needed to you know get away from it all because that would create a distraction of power so what i was thinking is okay all of the lords that are at winterfell they witnessed brand come in unless they didn't believe it's brand but you could tell by the way sansa acted as soon as she saw him this is brand of you know how stark he is the heir, you know, either, you know, why would they continue to follow Sansa? You know, why would they continue to put their faith in her when they have their true Lord in front of them? You know what I mean? Right. So I could see that being a problem and Littlefinger is there to create problems. Right. So there's a whole Mm -hmm. can of worms there that are, could potentially have some huge ramifications. Do you see him as even being a character that will, survive this series because a lot a lot of the I, I kind of get this weird feeling now that he might not survive the the Are end you talking of the about series. Littlefinger or Bran? Bran, I'm sorry. Okay. Because and the reason I feel like that is because the same reasons why I kind of think that that uh Arya isn't gonna make it because she's sort of reached this point of being of no return where mm-hmm. she has nothing I've brought this up in the, in other podcasts where she has really nothing left in her besides hate and revenge and whatnot. And so I can't really see a happy ending for her because I don't know if that's attainable because she's go gone t- kind of so yeah. far into a different direction. And now I sort of see that happening with Bran where I'm not sure if there's a happy ending for him because well, even if the Starks prevail, he's kind of lost I th- himself. I think that goes more towards calling and roles like, Arya's role, Arya's calling is to be a killer, an assassin, uh, a fighter, a soldier, but more than a soldier, you know, essentially she's a ninja. I don't know. I don't know anything about ninjas, but to me, that's who she is. You know what I mean? She's stealth. She has uh, the the power to kill people in, in the way that even, you know, not even Jamie has. So, but do you think she has a chance of becoming a lady of Westeros no, ever again? No, I don't. Right, I, exactly. I That's see what I mean. her fate as being uh, very short. But for Bran, I think Bran's in a very different position. I don't even think the last Three-Eyed Raven that we saw was the first Three-Eyed Raven. It seems to me that Bran is just the latest in a long line of yes, possible Three-Eyed Raven. So what that means is... He would need to find his his heir 
and groom him or her to take right. his place. And I think that's a very long-term thing. And for all we know, the last three Eyed Raven has only been there since the last long night. You know what I mean? Maybe each long night there's a new one, for all we know. That's true, but there, there, there doesn't need to... I mean, that doesn't mean that this might not be the end of the need for a green seer, a, a, a new three-eyed raven. Because, hmm. for, for example, I know this is kind of unrelated, but think about Lord of the Rings, right? The whole the whole story is fantasy and is full of all this magical thing, but, but it's all... It all sort of ends in men, being men eventually are res- yes are the are the primary power and eventually all the other you know the elves and the dwarves every everyone kind of leaves Earth and it ends up being sort of a history for man mankind. of creation yeah right so who's to say that with Game of Thrones and Song of Ice and Fire that this whole three eyed raven thing doesn't end with Bran that. You know, this could be maybe they won't need another three-eyed raven because the ending will bring about peace finally to this land. You know, who knows? And for all we can take that, we can continue that train of thought. Thought, if you will, maybe we don't even need a wall anymore. You know, right. maybe, maybe the true. wall will come down, and it won't even be needed. The magic and the physical barrier that is the wall maybe won't even be needed. Right. Uh, you know, if we follow the thinking or the theory that our brand that we're watching is brand the builder, let's say that he built that wall. Let's say he put it there, and now finally, it's culminated. That storyline, that need is culminated. He's here now. That wall will be torn down. There's no longer a need for it. There's no longer a need for brand. That's possible. Right. It is possible. Yeah, see, once with, uh, with the brand, it's just like you, we could just talk forever because right. the whole brand, the builder theories and everything, which if anyone listening yeah. hasn't read any of those, I highly recommend you Google brand, the builder Can theories. Can you give us Game a small synopsis of what that means, brand, brand, the builder, uh, for people who aren't familiar, just a, just a short one and they can look it up later. Well, maybe you could explain the brand, the builder theory a little bit better than I can, because I know we've talked about it at work, and I feel like you were into that theory. So just give it a brief description. guess what I mean by brand, the builder, for people who don't know, is brand, the builder is credited as being the Stark from antiquity that built the wall. He's credited with it. I, I don't really know how he did it or why he did it. Well, I guess we could imagine why he did it. But how he supposedly that. Bran, our Bran, was named after Bran the Builder, right. who was apparently a uh, not. A, I'm not sure if it's a le- legend or if it was a real person. It's there are some some theories saying that Bran the Builder actually existed. Some saying that Bran the Builder was this mythical yeah. sort of person. But either way, this this is the historical figure who was credited with building the right. wall to keep the White Walkers out back when they first came into existence. So if so, we, we can think about Hodor's storyline, we know now seeing the show, Hodor's storyline essentially transcended time and space. You know, Bran was able to interact with Willis, was his uh, name, in multiple time frames. Right. And, you know, end up being that Hodor was extremely important to saving Bran. Could it be that Bran, you know, traveled through time and space to build the wall in the first place. And, you know, maybe he'll realize that that's his role. That's what he needs to do as he 
continues to go through all of the memories or visions that he has, or will it be play a different role? So right. I guess a lot of people are talking about that right now. I, I really think that's really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely like a big theory that people have been discussing when it comes to Bran is, is Bran, Bran the Builder that they talk about old Nan stories about Bran the Builder. Old Nan. Old Nan, yes. So is Bran going to have some sort of Matrix-like bend in space and time and sort of become Bran the Builder from the past, but in the future? You remember when we saw the vision that the Three-Eyed Raven had showed to Bran at the tower where John was born. We see his father just fought the Sword of the Morning. Uh, and it was actually, we found out that Howland Reed had killed him. Right. And then he's running up the steps to find his sister. I'm, what I'm saying is uh, Eddard is running up the steps to find his sister. And mm-hmm. he Bran yells out, present-day Bran yells out to him. Right. And his father stops and he right. thinks he hears something. Yes. And so, you know, how much can the Three-Eyed Raven and how much can Bran actually interact with these visions? Not only that, right. we saw Bran in the vision with the Night King, and the Night King actually physically touched him. So we know, well, there could be actual physical, you know, yeah. physical interaction between the time and space. Right. Yeah, there's definitely, they came to seem to be insinuating that there's a chance that Bran not only is able to view these memories and things that have happened from the past, but actually potentially haven't changed them or have an effect. So it might be possible that a big part of the ending to this whole series involves some sort of change in time uh, on Bran's behalf. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. uh, Definitely will be an interesting one. All right, moving on. Let's talk about Daenerys. Uh, We haven't got a chance to talk about her yet. Daenerys is character has been essentially accumulating power through effort. She's been, you know, yearning to get back to Westeros, continue to you know, continue on her quest to conquer uh, this land. And John's a very different character. Mm-hmm. Everywhere he's gone, he's had power or a leadership thrust into his lap. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know what? I, I was actually thinking about that shortly after the episode. The fact that Everyone always constantly draws all these parallels between Daenerys and Jon about how they have so much in common and with this and that, but they have a major difference, which is exactly what you just said, which is that Daenerys wants power and Jon doesn't, yet Jon just keeps being thrust into these positions of power. Like yeah. he, he never went to the wall wanting to be the Lord Commander. He went to the wall right. because he wanted to be a ranger and, you know, he wanted to go on these adventures and being a man of the wall, he thought he would have more of a place there than as a bastard at Winterfell. So he, he just went there not really expecting anything and all of a sudden he's thrust into the position of Lord Commander at an extremely young age. Yeah. And the same thing happened with with this current season, with him being sort of thrust into being king in the north. Yeah. He he has yet to express any sort of positive feelings towards towards having this role. He never wanted it. Um, yeah. I think he's taking it because he realizes that he has to. And he not only that, uh, he didn't really really want to lead the army to take on the Boltons. He did it because. He loved his family. He loved his sister. His sister wanted him to do it. He wasn't ready yet. Right. I well, well, actually, no. I mean, I, I think it was more the opposite. He okay. wanted to do it, and his sister was the one who oh, was kind of right. trying, right. 
I mean, that that was more of an emotional reaction, and that's yeah. one of John's the downfalls of him as a character is that he really gets emotional and tends to act uh, based off of emotion without thinking. And uh, if Sansa hadn't been there to save the day, who knows? You know, they all probably would have died. Yeah. But but yeah, that that is an interesting thing to point out about the difference between him and Daenerys is that well, I mean, realistically, what's going to happen if he comes out of this whole season or the whole series? alive is he going to have any interest in continuing to be the king in the north or you know potentially being the king of westeros i mean he doesn't actually want any of these roles and there was there was an interesting point during this last episode where they alluded to that daenerys said something to effect of we we all enjoy what we're good at and john responded i don't you know and kind of rolled his eyes so i think that was yeah a good example of his feelings towards commanding and i suppose it also could have been he do you think that he was even referring to leadership or do you think he was referring to fighting and killing i think he was referring to leadership i think he i don't know if he enjoys the fighting and the killing aspect per se but i don't think he likes being the person who is responsible for everybody else despite the fact that he's really good at it right yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if he is actually Rhaegar's son, I wonder how much of Rhaegar is in him. Do you think Rhaegar could have been similar to him in that personality type, that brooding? Because Lyanna Stark is not known for being brooding. She was kind of she was bright and happy and cheerful. That was her personality. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think he got that from his father's side. Yeah. For sure. Rhaegar was married to Elia Martell, and he, for, from what I remember from the books, it was sort of thrust upon him, but he never really loved her. He did have ch- children yeah. with her, but they always refer to her as being sickly, and obviously Rhaegar ended up, quote-unquote, kidnapping right. Lyanna. Which is the lie said, that probably Robert yeah. perpetuated. Right, exactly. So some people believe that he kidnapped her and he raped her, and that's how Jon Snow was born. Um, that's what Rob and his rebellion would like you to think. However, um, a lot of book readers believe that Rhaegar was actually in love with Lyanna Stark, and uh, he he was just kind of forced into this marriage with Elia Martell, but really his one true love was Lyanna Stark, and that's why they were together, and that's how, how Jon was born. But yeah, I, I from what I've read about the kind of person that Rhaegar Targaryen was, it seems like he was somewhat unhappy and unsettled. And uh, I could see John getting that, those traits from him. Especially if you think you're the crown prince, you're heir to the seven kingdoms. I can't imagine what the pressure, if you, if that's not something you've desired, you want, then I can't imagine how, how that would affect you. Right. Yeah. And he was considered well-loved by the people and intelligent. He excelled at all, all that he did, but he was also known to be not necessarily satisfied or happy with how things were going. So yeah. that sort of reminds me of John. Moving on, uh, looking towards next week's episode, what are you yearning to see next week? Or not even next week at this point. It's a few days from now. We're yeah. going to wait. Well, we talked about Bran. I definitely want to see kind of what develops there. So I'll leave that aside since we talked about Bran already. Mm-hmm. I want to know what will happen with Theon. Fionn just got picked up by, I guess, the Ironborn who are loyal to him and Yara. It's kind of right. hard to tell. Like I saw that's those, what it seemed like. I saw those sails, that Greyjoy sails on them. Who knows which Greyjoys which they are? Which Greyjoy? 
but it mm-hmm. appears that they are helping him. Mm-hmm. Do they know what he did? Do they know that he was a coward and jumped off and let his sister get captured? Or do they have no idea? Do they think he's just a casualty of fighting? Who knows think, what's going to happen there? Seems like they didn't believe him in this last episode. So, yeah. yeah. How about you? What are you looking forward to? I, all right, I am definitely looking forward to a change in relationship between John and Daenerys. Hmm. So obviously their their initial meeting was a little bit, you know, they were a little bit stubborn. They each had different interests. They weren't agreeing on much. So I, being that I see some sort of major alliance, possibly even romance developing between them uh, for this season and next season, it has to start eventually. You know, they, they've got to start building that character relationship so that it's believable. Right. So I'm hoping to see some more chemistry between them, some, some, I could Positive. just see him out there like mining dragon glass with his shirt <laughs> off and like <laughs> yeah. wiping his brow and he's all sweaty and she's like standing there watching her exactly. and like or watching Definitely. him. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm interested to see how their relationship expands in the next yeah. episode. I also want to see the hound return because we yes. missed him last week. So I want to see what's going on with Yeah, oh, we you haven't know seen him for a couple weeks. Well, you know what we haven't we haven't really talked about is the complete lack of White Walker in this season thus far. That's the one thing they've been kind of ignoring. I think there's going to be an explosion of White Walkers, like in the final episode. It's just going to go nuts. It's going to go crazy. I think, I think you know how they kind of focused, and the whole the whole series up until now has been like this. They'll have an episode that's specifically just the North because they right. have so much to cover in the North. And then the next episode, there won't be any North, but it'll all be what's going on at King's Landing. So right. the whole series uh, has been, there's plenty of episodes that certain characters don't have one scene in, but then in another episode, there'll be almost the entire episode. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen. And we're going to yeah. get an episode all about what's going on with the Hound on his way to Eastwatch by the Sea. Yeah. Uh, Beric and Thoros and the yeah. Wall. And I the agree. White Walkers. I think there's yeah. going to be a major East Watch by the Sea battle um, between the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that as a uh, mid-season series finale or season yeah. finale. That would be cool, for sure. Thanks, Diana, for, for doing this. John, we miss you. And thank you guys <laughs> thank for you. listening in. Join us next week. We're going to do another episode recap. Hopefully, John will be with us, too. Thanks for joining us.